If you'd suggested to somebody maybe a few seasons ago that Tottenham and Aston Villa would be a good bet to finish well above Manchester United and Chelsea in the race for Champions League spots, they'd have smiled kindly, patted you on the shoulder and wondered if you'd entirely lost the plot. But with Ange Postacoglu and Unai Emery showing the value of a top-class manager and a settled playing philosophy, suddenly it doesn't seem so fanciful. And Sunday's showdown is a mouth-watering prospect. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. We have a settled tipping philosophy on this show. That's to get the best in the business, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark Tottenham facing their first serious bump in the road and Durange Postacoglu. They obviously lost heavily at home to Chelsea in that bizarre game where they went down to nine men. Then they collapsed completely against Wolves. So where do they go from here against a very, very competent Aston Villa team? Yeah, difficult game this for for Tottenham. Um, the timing of which isn't isn't ideal uh, with all the injuries and suspensions as well piling up. Um, I wanted to back goals in this game because uh, you know it's basically the high line derby, isn't it? Two teams who will defend with ridiculously high lines and can leave space and opportunities in behind. But the market is already all over that. The goal line is pretty high. I think it's set at a straight three, and, and BTTS overs combined is trading shorter than 1.7. So you have to look elsewhere. And I think the, the way to play this has had to be, well, you have to be with Aston Villa, I think. Um, I'm backing them with a quarter goal start at 185 on the Asian handicap. They've won two of the last three trips to to Spurs. They did the double over Tottenham last season as well. And for all the, the high praise that Spurs have received, Villa are actually only one point behind them in the Premier League table right now. And now obviously that's largely down to their flawless home record. But compared to Spurs, in terms of selection, they will be fielding a very settled team, players in form, and they're just not hampered by the same sort of selection crisis as Spurs. And, you know, you look at Tottenham coming into this game, we know about the absentees, Romero and Van der Ven, both centre-halves unavailable. Madison, creative hub, unavailable. Even Perisic, Richarlison, unavailable. The doggy is back from a ban, but Basuma is suspended now after collecting five yellow cards as well. So, He's been enormous in that midfield area. So to miss him, I know they've got Ben Tancor coming back from injury, but he's been away in South America this midweek as well. You take out those players, that's at least five first-choice starters from the starting eleven, And it's been a very settled starting eleven. Postacoglu was pretty much fielding the same team week in, week out for the first eight to ten weeks before these injuries and suspensions started to strike. So you look at the players who will come in. We saw Eric Davis and... Um, Eric Dyer and Ben Davis, I should say. He's rubbish, a... that Eric Davis. <laughs> I never like the look of him. We we saw them as a makeshift uh, combination at central defence against Wolves. And I think that's an area Villa should be looking to try and exploit because I think Postacoglu's system, his starting eleven, has been so consistent. Not many of his fringe players have been getting major minutes or sort of fitting into that system. So understandably, there's going to be an adjustment period. And I think we saw that against Wolves because in the last 10, 15 minutes, Spurs were defending deep, uh, deeper and deeper as well, trying to hold on to the lead rather than sort of playing the Postacoglu way, which is to be aggressive, be on the front foot, look to dominate the ball and look to score more goals. And that's what we've come to expect from Spurs. And he said as much post-match, he said we started well, but we could have been a little bit more positive, a little bit more aggressive, particularly with the ball in those dying stages. And I think 
Villa are just the kind of side who can sniff out those vulnerabilities. They have the ability to score goals. Uh, so I like them to, to avoid defeat in this fixture. I know there'll be some um, concern about their away record. They were whacked at Newcastle and Liverpool, failed to really fire at Forest despite kind of having a lot of the ball, a lot of the territory, forcing many corners without really opening Forest up. But I'm only asking them to avoid defeat here to, to earn at least a share of the profits, really. So I just think it's difficult to, to be really pro Spurs with that amount of key players missing. So happy to, to be on Villa's side here. Great uh, tipster and the people's choice to replace Stephen Kenny as Republic of Ireland boss. Emmett O'Keefe is with us. Uh, Emmett, Villa seemed to have gone from strength to strength since Una Emery took over. I guess the next stage of their challenge is to replicate that unbelievable home form on the road because at home it's beyond belief how consistent they've been. Absolutely. I, th- I think it's it's the, this is a kind of an asset test for them. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to kind of want to repeat everything Mark said, but I have the same bet, and it's and it's kind of main, main and it's for, for for the exact same reasons. Like, like Villa's, as Mark said, Villa one point behind Tottenham on the table. Their expected goal stats are better than Tottenham. Admittedly, that is skewed by that kind of. Um, but like the, but, 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 but those stats are skewed by that kind of crazy game against uh, against Chelsea, where where Spurs, Spurs were kind of down to nine men for long periods and gave up four expected goals. But even before that, like even taking that game out, there, I don't think there's too much between these sides when everyone's fit. And so this is then when you've when you're losing Madison, Van de Ven, Romero, and Basuma, I think that clearly tip kind of tips the advantage in Villa's favour. Like it's not just. They're missing starters. They're missing like some of the best players in their position in the league. I would say like Basuma's yeah. been, yeah, Basuma, Basuma and Madison for sure this year. And like we haven't seen that much of Van der Ven, but like just he's one of these players that like with his pace um, and athleticism, he really makes that kind of makes that high line work. And I'd be, I would fear for for Tottenham if they're if they're trying to play a high line Eric Dyer and Ben Davis against Ali Watkins. Like that could be real and Musa Diaby. That could be real trouble. Like and um, I, I think the market is probably. I think it hasn't. Re- I think we might see we might see it closer to kickoff as we generally see kind of as kind of bookmakers increase their kind of lim- market limits closer to kickoff. We generally see more moves in prices. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see to see kind of Villa kind of short appreciative leagues. I think I, I think they're clearly t- clearly the better team with those kind of Tottenham absences against Wolves. Like like. Like Spurs lost the shot count seventeen to six. They gave up two expected goals. Like, and I think we saw. I think to me that was kind of a real indicator of the kind of the, the Tottenham team, the kind of the, the kind of drop off in quality once those star players were absent. I think Spurs are are a bit of a mid table side, level side with those players absent. And as well, if you do, if you look at that Tottenham bench in the Wolves game, I think Oliver Skip was their only kind of senior senior player really. Like it was like a lot of like like Vellies, the Argentinian young player was their main attacking yeah. sub. They had a lot of kind of young academy players in the bench. So again with the five subs, like if it's twenty minutes, twenty minutes, half an hour to go and and and, and obviously with that post Cogru style, it's a high intensity style. Like Tottenham don't have great options, won't have many options to come off the bench Villa actually have the stronger squad here so I think all signs really point to Villa, point to Villa here and, and, and they look very solid value in the Asian handicap with a quarter goal start The Data Doctor will see you now Jake Oskarthorpe has the facts and figures we need Jake uh, we haven't spoken to you about these teams for quite a while so I suppose 12 games in what's your assessment of both of them. Obviously, going into this game, Spurs heavily depleted, but you're quite impressed with what Postacoglu's done in general? 
Very impressed, yeah. Um, it wasn't going to last, though. Even if they had a fully fit squad, they were they were massively overperforming on the underlying data. They're always going to get reeled in when they were top of the table. Everyone's getting a bit giddy that they're in a title race. They were never in a title race. Um, it was it was a matter of time before. I'm not going to say the wheels fell off. I, I I think that they would have been caught out probably in the second half of the season. Um, as we know, when it comes to the Premier League, if you're so set in your ways, it only takes one team to play in a certain way and really stymie you for the rest of the teams to catch on and kind of implement that for yeah. the rest of the season. We, we tend to see that with newly promoted teams where they come up and they have a really strong first half and then everyone kind of figures them out a little bit. Um, I was expecting that to happen. Um, obviously, that's kind of accelerated a little bit now that they've got basically the spine of the team missing, which, uh, I, to be fair, if you do, if you ripped out the spine of every, any team in the Premier League, they're going to struggle, um, especially when they're so reliant on them as as Spurs are. Um, especially for this game with Basuma suspended, but your two centre halves not there. Um, Madison's not playing. You know, even Richarlison. I know he's he, he when he came on as a sub in the first was it three or four games of the season. He made a real impact when he came on off the bench. Um, and ha- not having those kind of players is is huge. And and the defensive issues were always there. Um, that kind of Chelsea games just massively highlighted to everybody that there is a bit of kam- kamikaze nature about Spurs. Um, if 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 they need to, I don't think they needed to. They could have played for a one-one draw in that game. Uh, it would have been tough still, but that's just who they are. And and I just think and it that nearly that worked because of... it freaked Chelsea out to the point where they completely lost their minds for twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, and then it needed Marco Correa to go. Hey lads, let's just just run from Becker, run from deep, and you threw one on one. But yeah, it, it, I, I know you, it was it was a curveball. It, it kind of caught them off guard, as you said, and and you have to kind of it was kind of kind of praise but also like what you're doing um because you praise him for the idea of trying something a bit different with nine men but then in the end it's just like well just a little bit too easy um but they're, they're not going to change that philosophy i'm not saying they're going to play that high consistently when they've got no players on the pitch um but against villa uh, i'm going to make it a hat trick of the same bet basically because this you know the, the spurs will press high no matter what personnel they have uh, they will try and chase down the ball, make high turnovers, as the guys have said. And and Villa are kind of a just a really smart, well-drilled, canny operator um, under Unai Emery, in where they they also like to play a high line at times. They've been caught out a few times already away from home this season. We saw that at Anfield and at St James's Park. But they they they're also a little bit happy to sit back and counterattack if 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 the game suits. And I think this could be a game that suits. They can kind of draw. Spurs onto them, set a few traps to win the ball, and then break really quickly against what is going to be a very slow back line for Spurs with Eric Dyer and Ben Davies. And you've got Diaby, you've got Watkins, you've got Bailey to come off the bench and and really cause some problems. Um, so yeah, I really like uh, this this Villa play plus a quarter on the handicap. I think it's it's a great value, and and um, you know I wouldn't put any off off backing them to win the game outright either at a bigger price because. As we've said, this is a massively depleted Spurs team. It's a fully fit Villa team, um, basically. And they 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 definitely suit playing these kind of games more than playing away at like Nottingham Forest, who will sit back and Villa have to then be the aggressors. They can go to to, to Spurs and know that they're, they're almost going to play second fiddle and just pick them off, which I think they've got the quality to do now. So really like Villa. Um, and it, I don't think it gets any easier for Spurs either. I think they've got, they've got Man City after this. So with a depleted squad, they've got a tough schedule coming up, and yeah, they, all the talks of you know they're in a Champions League top four race could end up being seventh or eighth after the next four games looking up again. So 
Um, it's kind of what we thought at the start, right? Might have been yeah, the yeah, case yeah. that they'd be like looking for top six, maybe, but might have to fall short. We'll see how that goes over the next few weeks. It's worth bearing in mind that Betfair's offering offering a completely free Acker or Bet Builder on this weekend's football, but you do have to opt in to claim it. Maximum bet between £1 and £10 per customer. The offer's open between the 23rd and the 27th of November. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbegambleaware.org. Everton have been hit with a 10-point deduction for breaching the Premier League's financial rules. They're saying they'll use that sense of injustice to fuel a fight back, starting with Sunday's game against Manchester United. Um, Everton have been playing well. Obviously, this makes it a hell of a lot more difficult for them. But do you think they can overcome that deduction and survive? Because Sean Dyche plus a siege mentality, that seems to spell uh, a decent set of points. Definitely, yeah. I think it's it's kind of interesting. I know Everton fans, I think, will understandably probably feel that they're being kind of scapegoated and the kind of Premier League are kind of laying it down a marker Um to the kind of to um, in in opposition to an independent regulator coming in, and it's kind of a play, and Everton are just kind of a political pawn in the Premier League's game, um, and kind of setting a precedent ahead of the kind of bigger punishments to come with kind of Chelsea and Man City. I think Everton fans would be justified in, in feeling that way, but I think the, the only thing I would say they're slightly lucky is that they've had that the only they're slightly lucky is that they've had this point deduction in a year. But it's arguably some of the weakest group of promoted teams we've seen a lot I think yeah. in many years. So, like, I think, like, I think, for, and also, this is probably Everton's best team in a few years as well. Like, this isn't the sad sack team we saw under Frank Lampard. <laughs> like, with with Calvert Lewin fit, this is legitimately mid-table, good, good Premier League team that is well capable of of, of kind of overhauling Luton, Sheffield United, and Burnley. I think I, 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 it is like I think in previous years, like. If Everton, if Everton had got a got a ten point deduction, they'd be odd, they'd be odds on for relegation at this point. And now they're they're trading kind of over two to one for relegation on the exchange, which shows you the kind of the level the, the level of respect that kind of the market has for Everton. Like I know my United are missing players, but like if you had said to I think most Everton fans that like you'd be slight underdogs at home to Man United, they'd have been thinking, Jesus, this this season's gone kind of better 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 than better than we thought. So I I, so I, I, I really respect. Everton's chances and their team. I think they will stay up. I think, and they're facing United at a kind of a good, in a kind of a good in a, in a kind of good moment here, in the sense that obviously United are, are kind of a kind of a, a, a struggling side in general. But they're also likely to be missing Andre Onana and, Ra- and Rasmus Hoyland. So we might get the kind of the Mar- Anthony Martial experience up front. Which, oh, wonderful! Um, which my United fans have, are sick and tired of seeing, and I'm I, I really really am. But so I wouldn't put anyone off looking at Everton and the kind of drawing up back markets. But the angle I like the most here is the cards angle. So I think listeners might kind of be listeners probably know that kind of anecdotally that kind of cards are up in the Premier League this year with the kind of the the way the way it's being refereed. But just to put up a few numbers on that, there's the, on the Premier League this season that we're seeing four point six six cards per match compared to three point six last season. That's a really significant That's jump. An like, enormous jump. It's an enormous it? jump. Exactly, exactly. So it's like a and then like we've seen an even bigger jump in the kind of in, in the red card markets. So last season, the Premier League, there were 30 red cards uh, the whole season. So that's one one red card every 12.5 matches. 
that that total's nearly been matched already. We've 27 red cards this year in 120, in 120 matches. That's one in every four, 4.5 matches. So we've seen kind of a huge, kind of a huge increase and kind of the, the referee for um, the, the, the referee for Everton v Everton v Man United has been kind of one of the biggest culprits in the, in that statistic, giving four, four red cards in his in, in his kind of first nine matches, and having kind of watched those kind of four um, having having watched those four red cards back this season, like they were all legitimate decisions, but there were ones where I would say kind of some referees may not could have may not have got kind of go down that route. I think if listeners might remember the, the kind of Virgil Van Dijk one. Um, for for Liverpool against Newcastle earlier in the yes. season, like it was, a, it was definitely, it was definitely a fair, it, it was definitely kind of a fair decision. But I think, um, I, I think other referees may not have given that. So John Brooks is the is the is the kind of referee, and just his his kind of card and red card stats are kind of way above the average kind of referee this season. So if you're going to target kind of a match for a red card, I think this given the referee and given, I think we'll see kind of a really white hot atmosphere at Goodison given the given the circumstance around oh, the game yes. I think it's it, it's a match right for a red card and I think currently we're kind of we're just over 5-2 to two for kind of a red card the match on site I think you might you, you should be able to get 3-1 to one or bigger on the exchange I think that's that's definitely worth the, worth kind of an interest bet for kind of a bigger price this match Yeah Jake it's an interesting one isn't it because Manchester United really struggled in the Champions League they had that hopeless collapse in Copenhagen, they've had some really poor results. But in the league, they're consistently kind of digging out really stupefyingly unimpressive wins. I, I can't work them out at all. Can you? Um, yeah, they're just they're rubbish, but get a bit lucky at times. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it as simple as that? Is it that, you know, the process is poor, but they're somehow finding a way to, to eke out these results then? Yeah, the, the process is absolutely dire. I won't even say it's poor. It's even worse than that. Um, for a club that spent so much money in the summer, for a club that many had in a title race heading into the season off the back of what was a successful first campaign. Um, I mean, you mentioned that they're, you know, they're, they're up there in the league. Are they sick for the moment, something like that, which is a massively false position. I think that's partly down to a very kind schedule recently. Well, that's and, amazing, and- isn't it? I mean, just think of that sentence. Manchester United are in sixth, but it's a really false position in the sense that there should be mid-table. What an extraordinary sentence that is. Yeah, I've got a few more coming as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brace yourself. But yeah, they, they, they've picked up, um, was that five wins in the last seven? They played Burnley, Crystal Palace, Brentford, which was obviously two very late goals by McTominay, yeah. otherwise that was a defeat. Uh, they played Sheffield United, Man City, Fulham and Luton. So they've played only one like legitimately good team and they were absolutely dominated. Um, but yeah, the Luton, Fulham, Sheffield United, Burnley—like that's a really kind schedule um, to have. And 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 the process in those those wins have just been poor. I mean, they lost the XG battle to Burnley. They lost the uh, marginally won it to Sheffield United. They lost the XG battle to Fulham. Um, they probably should have won by a little bit of a wider margin against Luton. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a dire state of affairs at the moment. And the, the this matchup, I, I'm. I'm Looking, if you just showed me the underlying data for both teams and said this is the home team, obviously pointing to Everton's underlying data, I would yeah. expect Everton to be favourites for the game. Looking at the data so far this season, um, the top, uh, Everton, their tenth unexpected points this season, which is a place higher than Manchester United. 
They're 10th on expected goals four per game, which is two places higher than Manchester United. They're actually generating 0.2 XG more per game than United are. Um, and they actually sit eighth, Everton do, in expected goals against per game. United are 13th and they're conceding uh, around 0.16 fewer XG per game. So up overall, Everton have been 0.36 expected goals better per game than Manchester United this season. Um Away from home, United's record's not bad. 1-3, drawn two. They actually sit 15th on expected points, which again, just hammers home how wow. fortunate they've been to get those those results. Um, That's and a huge been, differential, isn't it? It's, it's massive. Really? Um, and some of the away games recently anyway have been really... You know, they played at Sheffield United, at Burnley. Uh, and, they, and they've, you know, should have, in theory won the XG battle by a wider margin, picked up more expected points. Uh, I know the three points is all that matters on the table, but if we're looking over long term, what we can expect, that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, and Everton's been the opposite. You know, The home form hasn't reflected the performances. They've won one, drawn one, lost four, but they actually sit sixth in terms of expected points at home. So they've been really unfortunate not to have picked up more results at Goodison Park. I think they... The atmosphere that's going to be there, the the kind of um, us against the world mentality, which you, you've touched upon, uh, the fact that you've got a Sean Dyche who is a you know absolutely one of the best galvanizers of men uh, in in world in world football to to get that group together and um, and really get them ready for not just this game but moving forward. I mean, I think this is going to be a. It sounds daft, but that. Th- they could have probably deducted all of Everton's points and they would have still stayed up comfortably this season, in my opinion, just because the, the bottom three are just so bad. Like, everyone's got, it, they've had 10 points deducted. They are two points from safety. Like, yeah. literally, they, they win this weekend. They're probably out of the relegation zone and looking up to the top half again. Um, it, it, you know, I don't think that they're going to go down whatsoever. This underlying process that I'm seeing from them is more of a top half team than a relegation team. Um so yeah, I think that the the issue is probably that if they didn't have the ten points deducted, they probably are looking at a top half finish and really pushing. Maybe not for European places, but pushing to finish in tenth or or maybe ninth. And and you know, obviously that helps with prize money, which obviously can help with the FFP further down the line, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think they're in a great spot to really cause another miserable afternoon for Manchester United. I mean, Emmett said the players that United are going to be missing. Again, you're looking at like a spine of a team. Onana, Lissandro Martinez, Casemiro, Eriksen, Hoyland. Like just ripping out the entire spine of the team and then you're relying on two or three players in forward areas for a moment of magic because they've not really got their system in place. They've not really found those combinations yet that Ten Hag wants. Um, you're putting together another makeshift midfield uh, and you're still without your two first-choice left-backs. In Lano Shaw's getting closer, but Malassia's going to be missing as well. So is it Reggion? Do you play Dallow at left back or Wan-Bissaka? I just think that Man United are a mess. I think Everton, I, I think Emmett's absolutely nailed it. This is probably one of the best Everton's teams we've seen for a while. Um, probably since, was it Ronald Koeman where they finished sixth? Yeah, um, they look good that, that team, yeah. yeah. Probably since then, which was probably what, 2017, something like that. Um, and Ancelotti have a decent team at one stage. They were pushing for top half at one stage for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 either way, it's a far cry from the absolute like mess that, that, that we saw a couple of years ago. Um, Frank Lampard, so, sad sacks, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't going to mention it, but, you know, seeing as though you did. Um, good band they are, <laughs> Frank Lampard, sad sacks. Um, yeah, I, 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 I like Emmett's angle. I think this will be feisty. It's going to be one of those atmospheres. This game tends to be quite fiery anyway between these two clubs. Um, but I, I like Everton on the handicap. 
a plus uh, a, re- a really odds against number for um, drawing a bet. Basically, is is the play. I just think Everton. Everything I've said, everything I, I read, everything I look at from a data perspective has Everton down as the better team, and it's hard to argue with what what we've seen from the eye test on Man United. Yeah, Mark, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's no surprise to anybody that Manchester United are a bit of a mess. We know that. We've been through, you know, their poor process. We've been through the fact that Eric Ten Hag doesn't seem to be able to play the football he wants to play for various reasons. They've got half the squad out injured. And normally with teams, when they come through those kind of really narrow games and manage to win a lot of them, you get the sense that they've got that collective confidence and it really builds things. I'm not sure it's made an impact at all on that group. No, not at all. Um, particularly the manner of some of those victories as well. A lot of them have come late on. And normally the narrative surrounding those kind of victories would be, you know, massive, great mood in the camp, eager to get going and, and sort of put in a performance in the next match. But it's just been a repeat of the dross after dross after dross. And it beggars belief that they are above Newcastle in the Premier League table, beggars belief that they've won four of the last five in the Premier League um, because they still remain completely unconvincing, underwhelming. They are the lowest scorers in the top 12 of the Premier League. And I think, as Jake has already alluded to, they're being very fortunate to have the points tally they already have. But I think Jake has already sort of executed Man United well enough for me to kind of not require to add too much more because a lot of the points have already been taken there. So I just want to sort of talk about Everton because I think when the news broke about the, the points deduction, I, uh, like I'm sure many punters did, uh, took a, a very quick look to see who Everton were playing next, where that match was taking place and noticed it was Manchester United at Goodison Park immediately after the international break. And I thought, well, United are going to get some treatment here because Everton, as we've already seen, the supporters are mobilising, they're energising. It's going to be very much an us-against-you type mentality here. Um, I believe that a plane has been organised as well to to fly over Goodison Park with a message for the Premier League. And, yeah, you can just... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of been used about a few too many times now for me that the the plane I think the impact has has kind of gone and waned but yeah I mean this is a fixture Everton don't particularly fare well at I think they've won once in the last eight meetings with United in the Premier League but as the guys have already discussed Sean Dyche is a motivator um, and I look at that team right now defensively they've been pretty miserly they've considered twice or more just once a Goodison part this season they're creating opportunities from dead ball situations they've got players who can deliver um, from dead ball situations they've got players of real presence from set pieces the midfield for me is full of guile and battle um, and ability uh, from the flanks they've got players capable of of cutting in and having shots but also players who can get balls into the box there's fight there's character and of course with Calvert-Lewin fit you've got a quality centre forward to to lead the line so I think the spine of the side looks really really strong and I agree with Jake you know if you look at expected goals data this season my model makes Everton favourites here they deserve to be a lot shorter than they are but you know obviously um, Manchester United's individual quality outweighs that of Everton hence the the prices and, and the name of the team too but if you look at the, the Goodison Park performances so far this season, they've been very strong, really unfortunate to lose to Wolves, Fulham and Luton. They dominated all three of those matches. They deserved a point against Brighton and they gave Arsenal a really good workout as well in a narrow defeat. So for me, the selection is the same. Uh, Everton plus zero on the Asian handicap on the exchange at 2.06. So I think that's a very nice play to have. Um, the only other selection I was going to highlight actually was... Um, on the sportsbook where you can back Abdullah Decore to have a shot on target at even money. 
Um, he operates wow, in a, that seems a big. Very big when you hear the stats as well. He's operating in a, in a much more advanced midfield role this season behind Calvert-Lewin. Uh, he's been really influential in the Everton attack and he has delivered a payout in this market in nine of his 12 starts so far this season, including five or six at Goodison Park. Um, it's actually landed in six of his last seven Premier League games as well. And he's actually, actually averaging a shot on target every 80 minutes. Um, and he's even money to repeat the feat this weekend. So, yeah, Everton draw no bet or Everton plus zero on the Asian handicap and Decoro to have a shot on target would be my selections. Now, we know injury time goals can be a pain in the pockets if they ruin your bets. And they've got 90-minute payout to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right results as it stands. Your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. It's the Derby d'Italia on Sunday. Title rivals Juventus and Inter go head-to-head. Emmett, this does feel like an enormous game because so far, these have been the best two teams in Italy. Yeah, it really does. I'm. Uh, I was coming. I was kind of wanted to look at the prices, hoping to be able to back into her. But the prices have, of course, so far are so skewed against what I thought they'd be that I'd have to. Fa- I have to favor Juventus here. Like I, I was thinking, kind of given that the XG stats have Inter as the better team. Most, I think most people who've watched Serie A this year would would, would say Inter Inter the better team, but not. But like the, the unexpected goals, there's not that much of not a massive difference between the sides. And yet here, like we have Juventus, like at, at over at over three point five five at home, like it, it 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 just it just seems too big. Juventus have a few injuries, but nothing major. Like I, I think maybe you might be concerned with the kind of Juventus with the kind of Allegri balls ball style. Will it kind of fall apart against better opposition? That is definitely a risk here. That kind of if Inter set in, sit in here that like that they won't be able to kind of. They won't be able to counterattack on. Uh, they won't be able to counterattack, and they'll just get penned in and kind of lose in kind of lose in fairly convincing fashion. That's definitely a possibility. But I'm just prepared to take a risk at the price. I I I, I was making these prices. I'd have Inter maybe more like slight slight favourites um, away from home here. Not not by as strong as they are. And and I suppose well, Lautaro will have been away right with Argentina. Yeah. So that's a big impact. 100%, yeah, exactly. I think the, the big drop-off as well is to say say he didn't come back in perfect condition as a huge drop-off from him to like Alexis Sanchez, that is, or Arnautovic. Like there, there is a, they're kind of lads you want against the the lower-ranking Serie A clubs to maybe, but not 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 in kind of matches like this. They're and it's kind of, guys, right? 100% a bit like uh, our friend Hosloo from Real Madrid. Like there are certain strikers that you want that they have the flat track bully kind of type games. One thing as well, I watched um, I watched Inter, uh, uh, sorry, Italy against Ukraine uh, during the week and one thing was noticeable was that the best player on the pitch was Federico Chiesa. Yeah, exactly. he, yeah. he was a one-man counter-attack and he was like, he looked really back to the the form that that, that, that kind of made him stand out as kind of a really, as kind of a world-class attacking prospect you'd have to say when Italy, when Italy won Euro 2020. I just thought it just really struck me how he could kind of he had that kind of pace and power and he was really kind of taking the fight to Ukraine he and looks just, fit doesn't he that's he looks the big really thing like yeah, he's, he's come back from that massive injury he actually yeah. looks really fit and raring to go 
Yeah, and I just I was just thinking as well, just for this kind of the Allegri ball for that style, you need the one man counter attack players, players who can kind of make something out of nothing and and get your team up the pitch. And having Chiesa there would be, would give me hope here that that at least if they're kind of if if kind of Juventus are if if Juventus are struggling or they're being penned in, he can get them out of trouble, win free kicks, and create create those big moments. He scored four goals this season in decent form. I think we might even see a kind of a better a better Chiesa as the season goes on in terms of how you'd back Juventus here I wouldn't I wouldn't put anyone off going for them at the straight win at over five to two but I'll probably play it safer and back them kind of draw no bet or even or even lay into at their at their current price of around 235 and we're going to wrap up in Brazil Mark what draws you to Fortaleza against Palmeiras well uh the Brasiliero has been probably the best title race across the the planet this season um with four Is this rounds completely just dropping the ball they were like 900 points clear and they've completely blown it <laughs> they have yeah they have really wet the bed and um, it's allowed other teams <laughs> an opportunity to to capitalise so with four rounds still to play we've basically got six sides in with a realistic chance of, of taking the title which is crazy considering the Potafogo position that they were in uh, but it's where we're at right now um, at the time of recording um there are a couple of midweek matches still to play in Brazil, but um, Palmeiras currently lead the table. Uh, that might not be the case uh, by the time the weekend goes out because uh, Botafogo and Bragantino are both playing away from home on Thursday evening. But um, Palmeiras are the team I want to focus on. Uh, the Giants uh, from Sao Paulo, uh, last season's champions, also Copa Libertadores winners twice in the past three years. They seem to have timed their challenge to perfection, really. There's six wins in the last seven league games. Uh, and whilst their away form has been patchy to a certain degree, they have only lost once to teams outside of the top eight. Uh, now, Sunday night, they go to Fortaleza, who are outside the top eight because they have uh, spiralled out of control, really. Um, they've had a really good campaign because they reached the final of the Copa Sudamericana, but they lost that match. And that has taken up basically all of their focus in the last couple of months. They were fielding much changed teams in the lead up and aftermath of their semi-final matches and the final. But uh, even still, that final took place a couple of weeks back now. They've been unable to arrest their slide. Clearly, the campaign is over for them. They're a mid-table obscurity. But they've taken just one point from the last seven. They failed to score in four of those fixtures. And it's not like they've been unfortunate either, because if you look at the XG process over the last eight games in Brazil's top flight, Fortaleza ranked rock bottom. And interestingly, Palmeiras ranked top of the same metric over the eight games. So we've got a team here, or two teams in polar opposite form. Uh, we've got Palmeiras having a full midweek, uh, Fortaleza in action against Botafogo, a difficult game at home on Thursday night. Polar opposite form, a rest advantage, a motivational advantage as well. I think it all builds in. I think Palmeiras at 2.3 to win away at Fortaleza on Sunday night uh, does tick the box for me. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember all of our shows and now on Betfair's YouTube channel for non-racing content. You can join the growing army of subscribers to so make sure you like and subscribe from Jake, from Emmett, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.